Football Podcast. What up, what up, fantasy people? You are back with the True North Fantasy Football Podcast. Travis Seal here again with my co-host Tyrell McLaughlin. How goes, Ty? Doing fine, doing fine. How about yourself? Doing well, very well on this Tuesday night. I uh, had a pretty decent weekend, uh, getting excited for the holidays. The kids are fired up, so uh, I'm, get, I'm getting fired up. And the Fantasy Football Championship. Absolutely, yeah. Got a couple of those I'm playing in as well, and I'm pretty excited. You hang all your Christmas lights? Oh, I <laughs> I went lazy parent, actually. I'm, I'm one of those. I got the inflatables on the front lawn. Mm-hmm. I got uh, I got one of those lights that's on a stake that you just plunk into the lawn and it uh, it projects like snowflakes oh, yeah. all over the house and stuff. Yep. Yeah. But we got a good episode today. We got a really, really good one. It's it's kind of sweet. I was thinking about it today and I'm kind of liking that we're switching into that dynasty mode where we're doing a little bit of a dynasty outlook on these players that we're hitting. Um, obviously, we're talking a little bit of what they're doing this season and what they're doing moving into championship week. But uh, I really like that we're switching switching into offseason mode. How are you feeling about it? Yeah, we're looking, our direction's pointed towards the future always as, you know, dynasty owners, but especially once you're at the back half of the season, you have to take everything with a grain of salt. There's a lot of situations you have to parse a lot of information to get uh, the actionable information at this time of year. But, you know, that's why you're looking towards the future and you're starting to think about uh, 2020 and even best balls are right around the corner. (laughs) Yeah, I'm pretty excited for best balls. Actually, I looked, uh, I hadn't looked at my, any of my results all season and I only did four best ball drafts, which is uh, peanuts compared to what you got. Um, but one, uh, I'm going to win 25 bucks on a $5 buy-in. So I'm, I'm pretty pumped about that for my first dabble in best ball. Yeah, right on. <laughs> my best ball portfolio is looking good right now too. But uh, you know, it's the holidays. So win or lose, you're hitting the booze, <laughs> getting some clues. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so along those lines, though, we've got a uh, a good episode. We're going to hit a couple of injuries. There's only a few this week, which is pretty nice, eh, Ty? Yeah, quite refreshing compared to last week. Oh, that was like an apocalypse, yeah. And uh, yeah, but I mean, this episode, we're going to go, we're going to hit those injuries, like I said, and then we're going to go through a bunch of players. You know, you could be battling for a championship in your fantasy league. You could be tweaking your dynasty team for next year. But no matter what you're doing, I think we got a little bit of something for everybody this episode. So it's going to be good. Let's get at it. So we're going to start with Dalvin Cook in Minnesota. He went down again with a shoulder injury. Now, under heart attacks, you crossed out three and wrote zero. Oh, I thought that said brain hemorrhages. But you were saying the latest you saw was that they might try and play him? Yeah, as far as I can see. And, I mean, it's too bad. I, it's really too bad for dynasty owners or for fantasy owners in general. I mean, teams with Dalvin Cook are certainly more likely to be in the fantasy football championships, unless he played Lamar Jackson. It's pretty (laughs) odd, though. Dalvin Cook wasn't even on the injury report heading into week 15. But yeah, we know he did get hurt in the game, and it's the same injury he was battling through. I thought the Vikings would play it safe since they were in a great spot for the playoffs. Catching the Packers seemed like kind of a pipe dream a couple weeks ago, and Dalvin Cook left the game for the first time with the injury. I was really surprised, but they didn't even sit him out one week. And now again, here... Like you said, or, you know, like we're like, you know, the tea leaves are saying is they're talking like he is very much going to play in week 16. Welcome to Itchy and Scratchy Land where nothing can possibly go wrong. <laughs> that's the that's the first thing that's ever gone wrong. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, I mean, hopefully it doesn't blow up in their faces because they are 
pretty safe in playoff position and they're going to need him for the playoffs. So if, if I'm them, I'm probably going to be given Madison or even Mike Boone a shot. Uh, Madison's capable, but he's coming off injury himself. Uh, so it's going to be an interesting look in that Minnesota backfield for fantasy championships. Definitely. Yeah. Like needless to say, we have to wait and see what the practice reports say all week. Uh, there's several sayings along the lines of start your studs. If he's in the game, he's in your lineup or play the players who got you there or whatever. But, you know, Dalvin Cook owners are kind of at the mercy of reading between the lines of all that stuff. And if Minnesota is up in the game, you know, do they script Dalvin Cook out? Or you wonder how effective he'll even be after being banged up. And, you know, you wonder about his snap share too. In the last three games, Dalvin's seen his three lowest snap rates, which makes sense since he's left two games early. But, you know, we the the other side of that though is we also know Dalvin Cook doesn't need a huge snap share to produce top five fantasy digits. You know, actually, a quick side note: here's a few of Dalvin Cook's colleagues for snap shares. Christian McCaffrey is playing ninety five percent of the Panthers' snaps right now. Lev Bell, a Steelers Lev Bell, would look at that and say like, "Holy!" So Christian McCaffrey <laughs> is first in snaps for the second highest snap share among running backs. If you want an example of the expression, use them up. Uh, when referring to an impending free agent's workload, look no further than Leonard Fournette. He's playing 88% of the snaps this year. That's like way higher than he's played in 2017 or 2018. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the dismay of me and all the other Tony Pollard owners, Zeke is third in snaps among running backs at 84%. But yeah, De- my point is Dalvin Cook's playing 66% of the snaps this year. In fact, Dalvin Cook has not played on 84% of the snaps once this season. He played like one game with 80%, one game with 81 That's the closest he's been to some of those other guys' season averages. So yeah, Dalvin has done Dalvin things while playing on less snaps than some of those fantasy rivals of his. Before, you know... Are you going to lower Dalvin Cook at all? Like, is he still a top five overall pick in redraft and dynasty startups next year? Like, we're seeing a little bit durability concerns popping up here again. Yeah, and he has had those going back to college and I think even high school probably. So, um, yeah, just big time. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. I think you kind of factor that in, but the way he's produced on that snap share, like you said, I think he's probably, probably a top five pick. He's got a lot of time to heal from this injury, so he should be healthy going into 2020. And, you know, I think a lot of people are fired up on what he did this year and, and looking to see that expand in 2020, hopefully. So how high are you willing to, if you take Dalvin Cook in the top five, how high are you willing to go on Alexander Madison? That's that's a good question because I think he will have to go high because he's still going to be one of the premier handcuffs in the league. Oh, I would probably say in like the seventh, eighth round, potentially, um, you just kind of have to have him. I mean, it, it's funny. I thought it was a horrible, brutal, dumb, stupid pick in the NFL draft, but Alexander Madison's proven me wrong big time so far. And Matt Waldman, right. Who'd have thunk it? And he's been pretty productive on the on the stuff that he has had with the Minnesota backfield. So Madison's looking good. And I could potentially see some standalone value there if he gets that 30 plus percent snap share that uh, that Dalvin's given up. Yeah. And I, I know I was leaning towards 2020 there. But even this year, I think in week 16 here for fantasy owners, like if you need a desperation start in your flex spot or you're really worried about Dalvin Cook and the practice reports start trending really negatively. Uh, Alexander Madison has touchdown regression coming. He's 19th in red zone carries right now. However, he only has one rushing touchdown on his 26 carries uh, inside the 20 yard line. He has the fewest touchdowns of anybody in the top 20 in red zone carries right now. You know, like I said, I wasn't a huge fan of his talent coming out. I had serious concerns about his long speed and you know, I just thought he was a really poor man's David Montgomery playing far worse college competition. Uh, and, you know, the other reason I, I didn't love him is because of Mike Boone. Do you want to talk about Mike Boone at all? Or do you want to just say, 
We love Mike oh, man. Boone. Move on. <laughs> the Booner the, the Booner has started going into week sixteen. <laughs> That's popping uh, up. I yeah. Uh, I actually picked up uh, <laughs> yeah. I picked up Alex Madison in, in a couple leagues going into last week and uh, I'm probably gonna be looking at Mike Boone for this week because I think he definitely has a shot. Madison's coming off that injury. Dalvin Cook's obviously coming off the injury. We don't know if he's gonna play. Uh, so I could see Mike Boone having a real role. It'd be pretty wild to start him in a fantasy championship, but could you imagine getting the W if you had Mike Boone in the lineup? Yeah, I think it's weird. I think either Alexander Madison or Mike Boone score a touchdown in this game for sure. I just think Mike Boone looks really good around the goal line. He always has in his limited opportunities, be it the preseason mostly. Uh, but And Alexander Madison clearly has touchdown regression on his side uh, when it comes to red zone opportunity and red zone look. So it wouldn't surprise me if either of these guys score a touchdown and Vulture said touchdown from Dalvin Cook this week. So I think it's just a really muddy situation for owners this week. And in the long term, I'll never, you know, I've always been a Mike Boone fan. He led the NFL in preseason in rushing. And in 2018, he was fourth in the preseason in rushing yards. So I just think he's looked good around the goal line. And it's more than just preseason DFS truther kind of guy to me. I, he hasn't been able to show anything in the passing game yet. But uh, yeah, I'll always have one eye on, on Mike Boone. Booner. <laughs> You know, I'll want to be I'll want to be well versed with all the running backs in Minnesota. It's one of the best environments for running backs in fantasy. I mean, they run the ball about half the time, forty nine point nine percent of the time, to be exact. And that's the second highest rate behind Baltimore, who you know have a mobile quarterback. We could say the Vikings also lead, and they have led all year long in team red zone rushing attempts. So, which is both Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison. It's the reason they're both inside the top twenty in red zone carries in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely a fruitful backfield for fantasy football, that's for sure. So um, it'll be interesting to see how that offense evolves. They got Kirk Cousins going into the last year of that deal. Uh, you know, Stefan Diggs has kind of show, shown up a little bit more as the season's progressed, but he disappointed coming out the gates. And then Adam Thielen's been hurt. So, um, you know, it's going to be it's going to be a little different with all those pieces coming back healthy next year. But I think, you know, if, as long as Stefanski's there, they're going to be running the rock. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's that's their agenda for sure. And I just want to offer one more point on Madison because if he if he goes in the single digit rounds, I'm not sure I'll have any investment in in Madison, even if I draft Dalvin Cook. I mean, that sounds egregious. He may be the easiest argument, like Dalvin Cook might be the easiest argument for the best player to handcuff. And I also recognize that Alexander Madison held the title of number one handcuff all year, but I, I am not 100% sure Mike Boone is not a far better football player than Madison. <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty fair. That's pretty fair. I just kind of base it on what what I've seen this year. And I kind of think of it almost like how you thought about Tony P coming in with with Zeke. Um, He's kind of like that handcuff for me. So I'm there. But if I'm not if I'm not drafting Dalvin, I'm not drafting Madison either. You're definitely right on that. Yeah. And I like see, I I think Pollard would get like almost 100 percent of the work. Like he would probably exceed Ezekiel Elliott's workload if he was the star, if Ezekiel Elliott went down. But Ezekiel Elliott doesn't go down. That's the problem. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, he has shown some pretty good durability in his in his career so far. Should we get to the next guy? This one's pretty brutal. Yeah, hamstring theory, eh? So another superstar Bucks wide receiver succumbs to a hamstring injury. Chris Godwin. Yeah, quite the blow to fantasy teams going into the into the finals. It definitely hurt a couple of mine. It's it, he's he's probably not going to play. I think they've already come out with that. Uh, what do you what do you think? Well, uh, yeah, I, I, he would finish the year as the overall wide receiver too. So, I, I think it's 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 tits up for Chris Godwin, right? Like it, it's unreal. <laughs> yeah. Rod Godwin, you know, is his real name or his porn name, whatever. <laughs> yeah, totally. Where, where do you, Definitely stick with the porn yeah. name. <laughs> where do you see him going in drafts next year? 
Mm, I'm not sure. Like I might go, I might even go back in the second round for him. And I think he'll probably be going in that second round. What do you think? Yeah. In redraft, I, I, I you know, as long as James is back with Tampa Bay in 2020, I think Godwin is a top, yes. I think he is a top 12 wide receiver in dynasty, no doubt there. And, you know, I think it's 90% certain that James is back with Tampa Bay in 2020, even if it's just a, uh, a franchise tag, but I, you know, I expect Godwin to have a lot of weak winning performances, just like he did this year. He had five games over 25 PPR points, under 13 PPR points in just three of 14 games. He's safe. His upside is huge, as is his talent. Uh, yeah, hook him up next year. And he he personifies the wide receiver misconception that people have chasing. People want the te- a team's wide receiver one. You know what I mean? Uh, that'll be the only mm-hmm. argument against Chris Godwin. But as far he has far more upside than any than you know seventy five percent of teams wide receiver ones and sees more volume and he avoids tough matchups because he's not the team's number one and he's a slot wide receiver for Bruce Arians. Yeah, sign me up for all of that, buddy. I'm uh, definitely smelling what you're stepping in there. So uh, Chris Godwin, I and I think he is the wide. Let's let's straighten this out. I think Chris Godwin is the wide receiver one for Tampa Bay, especially for fantasy purposes. He's we've talked about it a lot this season, and he's just so much more versatile, and he's getting the same volume. So I think people kind of hearken the wide receiver one label to the amount of volume. Chris Godwin's getting that, and he's producing better. So I think to me, Chris Godwin is the wide receiver one. Um, it's it's like you said, tits up, man. I'm I'm all in on Chris Godwin. Yeah, I think he's Bruce Arians' wide receiver one. We'll put it that way. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Do you want to hit? That's a good point. Do you want to hit Prashad Perryman? Uh, he came out, had a hat trick, a big day for fantasy. Ooh, the Hattie, <laughs> yeah. the Hattie. Three touchdowns for Brashad Perryman uh, in a game that Chris Godwin played in, which was pretty encouraging for for just the the second wide receiver on the Bucks overall with with Mike Evans gone. Um, but now he's getting the lion's share with Chris Godwin out. Do you do you think he's going to do it for fantasy owners in the championship? I don't. But I would have said that last week as well. Uh, I'd love to see if anybody did play. Maybe you played Lamar and Mark Andrews on Thursday Night Football. Just, you know, took a big cut, went for the home run. And yeah, I mean, that's pretty, that's actually in the, in the, in the football pod, I just called his three touchdown game a hat trick and playing him in fantasy football home run. Gotta work on. Yeah, nice. I gotta work on that. Very good. Just try and stick to football here. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah do you have whatever. uh you know i i don't think he's gonna do it i i also i really like scotty miller i really like justin watson you know oj howard's always gonna be a, a deep burn in 2019 for me i might be doing it man yeah i think i think i might have to fire him up in a league i got well obviously it's a league where i've lost godwin uh and there's two flexes in it and i think i might be firing up rashad perriman this week and i'm not even mad about it they got the Houston Texans this week, man. That's a gettable matchup. Jesus Murphy, yeah, go for it. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm doing it. It's gonna be. There's a lot of passing to go around in this offense. OJ Howard could eat. Cam Brake could get a touchdown, and Brashad Perriman could still produce with those guys being involved. So, uh, I think he's definitely startable this week. Yeah. What about? Uh, I mean, he's on a one-year deal, uh, so he's he's essentially a free, a, a unrestricted free agent heading in 2020. He should be on a new team next year. Uh, do you have any interest in Perriman in Dynasty? No, no. no eh? I have week I have week 16 interest in him in 2019, That's but crazy. I you don't know. Play him I... with your championship on the line. You have no interest in Dynasty. Oh, I mean, I have like deep roster very cheap interest but yeah like maybe Robbie Anderson leaves New York and he fills in a deep threat role with the Jets you know like or something like that 
But then I think he prices himself out because he had a good finish to this season. And then he's moving into a situation where there's, you know, a clear path to potential volume. And that's what I couldn't trust. Like, I can't trust him if his price goes any higher than like a back end piece of the roster, you know? I kind of have interest in him in Dynasty a little bit. I, if he goes to the Jets or somebody where he's the second option or he's, you know, say he goes to Seattle, you know, one of these places where he can be a deep threat for somebody, I, I'll definitely have interest in him. Uh, I'm not saying he's going to be drafted high either, but I just think he will be on a, t- a new team next year. I won't be flabbergasted if Perriman lands in a good situation and becomes fantasy relevant, basically. Like, we're all in love with Devontae Parker. Perriman was drafted in the same year, also in the first round. Like, Parker was out of Louisville. He was a far better route runner than Perriman. And, you know, he went from being a healthy scratch at points last season under Adam Gase to being a top 15 wide receiver for fantasy this year under a new coaching staff in Brian Flores. So, Brashad Perriman, you know, he was a classic guy who blew up because of his straight line speed. I, I just think there's a chance Perriman, Perriman could could be fantasy relevant next year. Yeah, I, could, I, I guess I could see that. And, you know. Uh, he could return on whatever you invest in him, but he's he wouldn't be something that I, something that I'm actively going after. You know, I'm not gonna go and try and target him in a trade and give up potentially young assets for him or something like that. So, um, at the right price, I guess I'd be I'd be in on Perriman. Okay, so let's move on uh, from these injuries. Let's get some broader topics here. We're not going to hit guys like Mm -hmm. Lamar Jackson, Christian McCaffrey, Chris Carson, and others who performed at expectations. These are, you know, they're the top guys for fantasy. They're going to be the top guys for fantasy championship teams too. Uh, so yeah, we don't need to cover them too, too, too much. So instead, I think we should hit, let's, let's pivot to players who include talking points for next year and dynasty owners. But yeah, a lot of these guys we talk about, they're still going to possibly be winning people titles this year. A few of them might actually be the reasons we may have, we may be golfing for fantasy football championship. Hockey, baseball, and now golf. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Hole in one. All right, so coming off of Chris Godwin, why don't you let me start with Jameis Winston? He's had quite the season this year. He is currently the quarterback four on the year, which is which is pretty crazy. I think Jameis is kind of the epitome of that real football versus fantasy football kind of kind of deal where um, you know he's just killing his team in real football it seems like every game uh, he's got an interception within the first couple drives of the game I've, I've checked checked my fantasy scores and I see Jameis has 35 yards and in an interception in the middle of the first quarter um, but then in fantasy football he's just lighting it up with two back-to-back 450 plus games what do you think about Jameis and that touchdown to interception ratio and what Jameis has been doing this season it's been absolutely all over the place. It's it's fun to watch, to be honest. He leads the NFL in pass attempts and passing yards, but yeah, also leads the NFL in interceptions by, let's call it a significant margin. Uh-huh. However, <laughs> there are two quarterbacks who have hit 30 passing touchdowns already this year, Lamar Jackson and Jameis Winston. Uh, check this out, Trav. Mm-hmm. Jameis has set a new career high in touchdowns and passing yards. He's on pace for over 5,200 passing yards. Uh, to put it another way, Jameis is on pace to have the fourth most passing yards in a season in the history of the NFL. It would rank Ooh. it would rank only behind Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, and Tom Brady. And note that Drew Brees once led the NFL in touchdowns and interceptions in the same season. So, yo, is 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 Jameis a top five quarterback for you next year? Oh, that's pretty tough. Um, I think for fantasy, I think I could see him finishing there. I just don't know if he's going to end up there in my ranks. You know what I mean? Because I think he's he's going to probably yeah. end up coming back. That's back completely to the not what Bucks. I asked you. Is Jameis Winston a top five quarterback next year? 
Okay, sorry, it's sorry, a really tough dodged question. it a little bit. So I'm going to say no, because I don't think he will be ranked inside my top five for 2020, um, but I can 100% see him proving me wrong on that. I know, me too. That's like the best answer, yeah, because <laughs> with Bruce Arians there, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, OJ Howard, we shall see. But yeah, outside the top five for me, definitely in rankings. <laughs> He's definitely top 10. I think he will be higher. I think I'll be higher than consensus on Jameis. Like when you look at quarterback and dynasty, you have to put the top tier of like Pat Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, whatever order you want to put those two in, I guess. Deshaun Watson up there, definitely. Kyler Murray, Russell mm-hmm. Wilson, probably round out my top five. Yeah. Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, I'm still going to have ahead of Jameis. I think that's pretty cemented. Yeah. I w- I've been thinking about it too. And those, those guys are right there. And I think you're probably right on them. There's going to be a fat tier behind them, man. <laughs> yeah, you got Dak, you got Carson Wentz, you got Baker Mayfield, Jared Goff, you know, Winston is, Jameis Winston It probably is right ahead. You know, I think I'm going to have Dak Prescott ahead of him, but Jameis Winston's really yeah, up there. Totally. He's coming back to the exact same situation if he goes to Tampa, exact yeah. same. And he is top five right now, and we know they're going to sling it, and we know that he has the ability to sling it. You're going to have to live with his picks, but he's going to throw touchdowns. I actually looked a little bit into the touchdowns there. And um, so he's got 30 touchdowns and he's got 24 interceptions. If he gets one more pick to get to 25, he'll join Eli Manning as the only two quarterbacks since 1990 to throw 30 touchdowns and have 25 interceptions. So, uh, you know, it's obviously not a good stat. Uh, It's kind of a wild stat, to be honest with you, that he's produced so well with all those interceptions. But I mean, you cut those picks in half, you give him 12 interceptions instead of 24 and he's the quarterback too. Yeah, and I, I think it's amazing that, you know, he shares that stat with Eli Manning because we all know he was such an easy comp to Eli Manning. He always has been. Mm-hmm. He always will be. It's a big statue. <laughs> it's just they will be among the league lead in turnover worthy plays and they'll be among the league lead in big time throws. And it makes no sense. So, I mean, as far as his future, so we think we think we he's going to be back there in 2020. Uh, do you think he's getting franchise tagged or do you think there's just going to be any term on that deal? You know, I it wouldn't surprise me if they can work out a deal because it would work out best for all parties concerned, really. Um, a bridge deal seems kind of out of the question. I, I think the mm-hmm. most likely it's one of those things that's just probabilities, I think most likely it is a franchise tag. Yeah, for sure. I could see one of those short-term deals just to to get it locked up and not have any worries necessarily going into next year because I think Bruce Arians kind of likes his slinging mentality and like I said, if he can, you know, cut those picks in half, uh, that, you know, that hurts your team a lot less. And um, you never know, man, he could cut that in half, but it's it's kind of who he is, I guess. Yeah, and it, it, he might even just sit back and accept the franchise tag because we'll see a lot of quarterback deals roll in in 2020 here. The Dak Prescott deal. We'll yeah, see he's not getting that money if he's on the open market. If he's fourth in the history of the league in passing yards this year and he does it again next year, which is very possible with Bruce Arians in that offense. Uh, yeah, I, I, I just think James Winston's got a lot of leverage that people aren't giving him credit for. Tampa Bay would be in big trouble without James Winston right now. Yeah, for sure. They would be scrambling to find somebody else who can fill that role. And there's no no other quite like James. No, what, are they going to go to Marcus Mariota? <laughs> That'd uh, be a joke. No. You could have just drafted the fucking yeah. guy. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> okay. I'm getting a little worked up. Cool. You were freaking out. I had to take you down. What? 
All right, so why don't we go to Miles Sanders in Philly? He had a wicked game this past week in a must-win situation against the Washington Redskins, which they almost lost, actually, which is brutal. Uh, but anyway, we're talking about Miles Sanders here. Um, what do you think happens with this Philly backfield going forward? Uh, Miles Sanders has surely earned an important role. Um, we have seen Jordan Howard come in and play effectively. What do you What do you think about Miles Sanders? Did he? kind of boost his value for you off of what you thought coming out of the draft? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're definitely seeing a lot of things come together. And I, I loved Miles Sanders coming into the season. We're finally seeing a little bit of what we expected from him. He's at 100 yards from scrimmage and a receiving touchdown in two of the last three games. Uh, in the last three weeks, Miles Sanders averaging 22 touches a game, and he's seen at least five targets in four straight games. You know, he had a career high across the board this week. Like, it was his first 100-yard rushing game. It was a career high in carries, career high in targets, career high in catches, everything. So, I'm not sure if there's a ripple for the future of the Philadelphia backfield. It's obvious it is a tad opportunity-driven with no Jordan Howard there and a void at the wide receiver position at the moment, but... You know, without diving into it, Miles Sanders is being used also much differently in the last few weeks than he was earlier in the season, right? Uh, the Eagles were using him kind of mm-hmm. down the field, designing wheel routes and other scheme plays that saw Miles Sanders have a high amount of air yards and a huge average depth of target for running backs. But he, he's kind of showing us a lot of talent, though, finally. That's that's all I'll say. It, we're finally seeing a lot of talent from Miles Sanders. Totally. This is kind of what we what we wanted to see behind that offensive line and in that Doug Peterson offense. Um, you touched on Jordan Howard, and I think, you know, I think they're going to bring him back or they're going to bring somebody else in to be involved in the offense. Just just somebody who can mix in. I don't think they're going to be giving that whole role to Miles Sanders, but I do love to see that he can do it. Um, it's, you know, it's it's a really dynamic backfield it would be really nice to see one guy eat the whole pie but i don't i don't think we're gonna see that it's it's just kind of the nature of it what do you think like you you think they're gonna bring howard back probably eh? well yeah i think you're right about the fact that there will be you know it won't be miles sanders backfield to himself with jhi or someone insignificant behind him i think i think they probably just bring jordan howard back it's a pretty complicated Mm -hmm. playbook but we we should also note that miles sanders even before jordan howard's injury was seeing a couple games with high snap uh share and under doug peterson it's super rare for any running backs to see any significant snap shares in more than like two or three games in a whole season since he's been there so I think Miles Sanders will continue to build a role for himself. He really needs to make sure ball security is a major priority for him. Uh, I I don't know. Where where are you going to rank? Because I think I'm still going to have Miles Sanders as a top 20 running back heading into 2020. But it's frustrating because if you asked me that question a year ago, I would have said he's probably a running back one heading into 2020. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Where do you think you're going to rank him in in Dynasty ranks for next year? Even assuming, like, say, Jordan Howard's back. Yeah, if that's kind of that's kind of going to be the key is who is there with him and I do think it's going to be Jordan Howard because he was really effective there and um you know Philly does have a good roster so I could see him wanting to be there. Um but I think top 24 is a pretty safe bet for Miles Sanders inside the top 20 I could see but I think 15 like you know inside the top 15 is probably not somewhere I'm going to have him going into next year just because there will be that other piece there I expect them to retool the wide receiver room a little bit Um, and they've got you know Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz coming back as well to be kind of focal points of the offense so um, I, I think probably top 20 is about as high as I would go for for Miles Sanders yeah and one last point on Jordan Howard I think there is a possibility that he has other offers 
So you guys aren't going to get him back for free. No, for sure. For sure. He's we'll definitely good, have to pay him. He's had a pretty good season. He's had a lot of really good years in his early career here. Uh, also, um, you know, Miles Sanders is a top 20 running back right now in PPR. Just to throw that out there. Totally, man. I think he's wide or he's, I think he's running back 19 or yeah, something. And with the rookie hype flu likely to hit super hard this year, I'm sure I think, I think I'm going to have a lot of Miles Sanders in redraft leagues next year. And I think I'll be buying him in dynasty leagues. He, he'll be that guy I'm sneaking into deals. Totally, totally. I can see that. Let's do a quick either or, Trav. Uh, Miles Sanders or David Johnson? Oh, Miles Sanders. Lev Bell. Ooh, I think it's still Lev Bell. Yeah, Todd Gurley. It's close, though. Man, Miles Sanders. Those are tough ones. I'm I'm surprised you took Lev and didn't take Todd. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't know. I'll take Miles Sanders over Lev Bell right now, and I'll, I'll take... Todd Gurley, maybe I don't know. You know, I you know I wouldn't, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. But I I think like the advice I would give somebody would be to, <laughs> to take Gurley over him, and yeah, I don't yeah. Know. What about what about these guys actually, Philip Lindsay or Miles Sanders? These are way tougher. Yeah, that's really really close. Philip Lindsay is a really good player. Yeah. I'm taking um, Miles Sanders there though. I think the situation's I think it's Miles just Sanders so nice, there. you know, and I have I have concerns about the Philadelphia uh, Broncos kind of situation mm-hmm. going forward. What about uh, what about Joe Mixon? Yeah, I'll take Joe Mixon over Miles Sanders in Dynasty yeah. probably. Uh, yeah, this one this one is a funny one because they're in the same draft class, and I was low on this guy. So Devin Singletary or Miles Sanders? That's pretty close because Devin Singletary has a path to uh, like being alone in, in that backfield. Um, ah. That's super close. I almost lean Singletary just a little bit because of the path to work in a run-heavy offense. But then I really like the passing work of Miles Sanders. Devin Singletary showed some pretty good, uh, pretty good moves in the pass yeah, game too, though. One. Damn! Oh, I gotta put my flag in somebody. Yeah, I have here. one concern about Devin Singletary: it's touchdowns. That's it. We know Josh Allen has nine rushing touchdowns. I think Devin Singletary has two rushing touchdowns, and I think Frank Gore mm-hmm. only has two as well, even though he's top twenty in red zone carries. So. Totally. I, I have a lot of concern about Devin Singletary's touchdown upside, but you know that's the same could be said for Miles Sanders if Jordan Howard returns. Absolutely, and I think I think I'm going Singletary by a hair yeah. on that yeah. one. Yeah, I don't know. I'll wait. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Next it's, question. Yeah, it's one of those ones you're, we're gonna have to dive into. Uh, okay, I got one more: Austin Eckler or Miles Sanders. I think I'm going Miles Sanders. Yeah, this one is Austin Eckler, and it's not even close to me. Not no. even close. And that's my I way of saying that Eckler a lot is like a top 12 dynasty running back. Wow. That's big. He's a restricted free agent coming in 2020. So that is going to be well, an I think interesting he's the, one I think watch, he's the Chargers. Especially with all the rookies coming in. I think he's in. the Chargers starting running back in 2020. That's what I'm operating under the assumption of. They'd be smart. That's for sure. Because he looked fantastic oh, there. Yeah, he still does. His receiving volume with Melvin Gordon back is still like just great. So I mentioned I would take uh, Joe Mixon over Miles Sanders slightly. He Joe Mixon has really come into his own here over the second half of the season. It's unreal. He had 28 touches. The rest of the team, eight guys combined for 19 touches. Uh, so the trend continues with Joe Mixon. Don't look now. He is going to finish as a top 15 running back in PPR. Over the mm-hmm. last seven games, he's been a top eight running back. He's over 17 PPR points in six of the last seven games, and he has 20-plus touches in five of the last seven games. But Trav, has he done enough in the second half of the season to slide back into RB1 status for Dynasty? So we, we've cemented that he is ahead of Miles Sanders, who's top 20-ish. Where, where are you setting Joe Mixon? I think he has moved back into that. Um, I, you know, they're going to get Jonah Williams back. 
They're probably going to be drafting Joe Burrow. I think a lot of people see a ton of upside in his receiving game work, myself included. So I think for me, he's definitely vaulted back into it. I was kind of hoping that he would be a nice low buy going into the offseason. But I think the way he's played the past few games has priced himself out of that, uh, which is fine. That's that's fine. Um, but I, I'm buying Joe Mixon as a top 12 running back going into next year. How about you? Yeah, it's impressive what he's done, considering the Bengals are like the worst team in the NFL. Uh, running backs, I hate, you know, running back one status was maybe a poor phrase for me to use. Uh, he could be. I foresee Mixon being drafted as like a borderline running back one in Dynasty startups, you know, no question. But I think I will actually have him on the outside looking in for like top 12 running backs. There's a lot of arguments for a rebound season, starting with the offensive line, but I, I was ultra disappointed with the use in the passing game this year. Even with the weapons missing from the offense, they refused to make Mixon like a high priority in the passing game. And, you know, Zach Taylor heads the list of concerns that could plague Joe Mixon in 2020. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Cincinnati, they will have the, they'll have a shiny new quarterback you mentioned, but it's going to be a guy with mobility in Joe Burrow. And that could improve Joe Mixon's efficiency slightly, but it could hurt his chances to eat in the passing game. Like that could work against him in the passing game. Mobile quarterbacks, especially young ones, they can have a propensity to just pull the ball down, run, uh, rather than check down to a running back. So. Just real quick on that on that note, um, I was kind of checking into Joe Burrow's past. Obviously, way different offenses, but Joe Burrow did have a running back catch fifty passes at LSU, so he can do it. It's just a matter of, of course, w- will he do it in the NFL? Um, I hope he can because I want to see that go up for Joe Mixon. He got uh, he got the Josh Jacobs treatment this yeah. year. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so let's touch on those Bengals wide receivers. Uh, There's going to be potentially some moving parts and potentially not moving parts. AJ Green, is he going to stay? Is he going to go? John Ross is going to be there. You know, Tyler Boyd's obviously going to be in that wide receiver two-ish range probably. Uh, What are you unpacking in the Bengals wide receiver courts? Yeah, just I I think the Bengals have Tyler Boyd locked into the slot role. And, you know, you have John Ross and Auden Tate both flashing in specific ways at points of the season. But AJ Green remains a big mystery. I mean, it feels like he should leave, would leave, but it, it's mm-hmm. weird. He is loyal, and the allure of playing his whole career in one spot and dominating franchise records, it could it could appeal to an understated guy like AJ Green. What what I'm getting at is this offense. It, it could be very pass oriented though. Uh, with Zach Taylor, uh, they were one of the pass heaviest teams this season, and game scripts obviously lent to that. But Zach Taylor is really a, a pass first coach. And get, getting back to fantasy championships, Joe Mixon has the Miami Dolphins, by the way. Uh, I just wanted to make sure we get that in there. So he's a, I, we mentioned that for, obviously, owners so they can start Joe Mixon. But he will go out on a high, high note. Mm-hmm. And recency bias will be in Joe Mixon's corner heading into the offseason of Dynasty Leagues. But with all these wide receivers, it's something that Joe Mixon hasn't had in an offense alongside him. You know what I mean? Or or a young mobile quarterback. So I, I can see that Mixon is hitting 17 PPR points consistently, but he also, he has over 18 PPR points in back-to-back weeks, which is really good. But last year he had over 18 PPR points in 50% of his games. So he hadn't done that in any of his first 12 games. So I worry about this offense and the use in the passing game. It's just so dumb because Joe Mixon is unbelievably talented in the passing game. I know, I know. Hopefully we see more going into 2020. So speaking of running backs and absolutely inexplicable passing game usage, let's hit Mark Ingram. Yeah, let's do it, man. He's the running back 10 in PPR right now. Um, He will clear a thousand yards rushing, barring any setbacks. Of course, this rushing game is, this run game is humming. 
Um, you said it 27 targets this year. He's got no work in the passing game. He has caught 24 of those. So that's pretty awesome. And he's got four receiving touchdowns on the season. So that's, that's one sixth of his catches have gone for, for touchdowns in the passing game. So not getting the volume, but we know he's efficient there. Um, what, what are you thinking for Mark Ingram? He's, uh, he's getting up there in age, but the production's there. Yeah, I mean, he's doing things he didn't even do in New Orleans, even though he was an annual top 12 running back in fantasy. He has four games this year with 100 yards rushing after only two last year. And, you know, I, I just, I really like Mark Ingram, too. He's, he's, we know he's Lamar Jackson's hype man, but he could be a touchdown regression candidate in 2020. <laughs> we should say that because he has a career high right now in touchdowns coming from a Saints team who led the NFL in running back touchdowns in both the last two seasons. So his 14 touchdowns are thanks, like you said, to those four receiving touchdowns. I don't see those repeating. Uh, that should regress. He only mm-hmm. had five total receiving touchdowns coming into the season in over 100 career games. It's really wild since he used mm-hmm. to play with Breeze, who targeted running backs like 30% of the time around the league lead every year with the Saints. And now he's with Lamar Jackson, who targets running backs under 12% of the time, yet he has four mm-hmm. passing touchdowns this year. Like, he's a top 10 running back in PPR, and he should finish as a running back one for the for the fifth time in the last six years on pure efficiency. So where do you sit on Mark Ingram? Like for me, he could be a big exception to my usual uh, modest apparende. Like he, he is going to be old in running back years heading into 2020, but I, like, I think he could be a buy even in dynasty leagues. I think he's a buy too. I think, I think the way this offense is run with Lamar Jackson making defenses kind of on edge, uh, I think even at his age, he, he can sustain this for at least a couple more years potentially. Uh, that the lanes are there. He's hammering them. Uh, and not a lot of work in the past game doesn't put him out there to get smashed on screen plays and whatnot. So I think I'm not too worried about his age. Uh, I think. What I'm more worried about is if there is any dip in that efficiency and if they start to try and work in like Justice Hill a little bit more to see what they have in their youth. Um, so it's not necessarily his performance based on his age. It's more what uh, what the Ravens are going to do to try and have a succession plan with him getting into his 30s. Yeah, I think you, you said the one thing I wanted to say there, and that's Justice Hill. That's the only concern I mm-hmm. have is Justice Hill's really freaking good. But I'm not worried about the efficiency because Lamar Jackson's there. And we know about the Jackson 5. He gives his running backs 5 yards per carry on average. Like, it's 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 still holding up. Mark Ingram's due for only his second season in his career hitting 5 yards per carry. So, I think he could make yeah, for man. cheap. To, and, you know, we know Dynasty owners are just petrified of aging vets. And 90% of the time, it's warranted. But I think Mark Ingram is that exception. And I think... You know, there's a way to go about it. You can wait until after the 2020 draft, wait until after you don't have to give up 2020 picks, and then buy them for 2021 picks early right away. And do you want to do a quick either or? I got a few guys I put here. Yeah, let's do it. Mark Ingram or James White? Oh, Mark Ingram. Mark Ingram or Devonta Freeman? Mark Ingram. Mark Ingram or Darius Geis? Whew. That's a close one because Geis is so much younger, but I think I'm still going Mark Ingram. Yeah, I think I would too, actually. Uh, Mark mm-hmm. Ingram or Kenyon Drake? I'm enamored with yeah. Kenyon Drake. I'm going Drake. Yeah. Oh, I like Drake a lot. And I, I don't see him going anywhere, to be honest. I think he could be that running mm-hmm. back there in Arizona going forward. Totally. He fits that offense so nice. We'll get to him. We could talk him later, maybe. Yeah. But yeah, I just want to say to finish out Mark Ingram, obviously we like him a lot. Uh, we're going to be higher than consensus, I think both of us, but get Justice Hill on your teams as well. And Gus Edwards, get all three in 25 plus roster spot leagues. Get all three of those guys on your team. Big trust. <laughs> Big trust. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, so let's keep firing away at these running backs. We're going to go to one of your boys, Aaron Jones. Uh, He's had a fantastic year in Green Bay. Uh, It's been a little bit up and down, but I think, you know, the overall numbers show really well. He's shown us a lot in the passing game. That offense overall has kind of evolved, and he's been a bit of a centerpiece for that. Uh, So... Do you think uh, do you think Aaron Jones is going to be overvalued going into 2020 based off all these touchdowns or or what do you think about his value going in? I think he'll be talked about as being extremely overvalued. Like he's going to make those overdrafted, don't overdraft, you know, overvalued lists when we talk offseason. I think it's going to be a big debate between touchdown regression and this offense kind of shifting in my opinion. There's still two games to play, but Aaron Jones already has 17 total touchdowns. Christian McCaffrey led the NFL last year with 16 total touchdowns. He also leads the NFL right now with 17 uh, with two games to play. But for Aaron Jones' sake, let's go back and look. Last year, Todd Gurley had 21 total touchdowns. He is still scoring, but that that's about all he's doing right now. Alvin Kamara Mm -hmm. had 18 total touchdowns last year, and we see the huge drop-off he's had, a meteoric drop-off in touchdowns. So we do see some of these big performers who put up close to 20 touchdowns. They drop off the next year usually. If if I sound compelling, though, hold the phone. Because <laughs> the year before that, Gurley and Kamara <laughs> were number one and two the year before that in total touchdowns in 2017. And, of course, they skyrocketed to an even higher stratosphere yeah. the following year. So. The point, the point we need to decide really is if Aaron Jones is comparable to players like Christian McCaffrey, Todd Gurley, Alvin Kamara, even Melvin Gordon, right? And, you know, I pulled some of the stats for these guys who have, you know, sustained high touchdown rates at, at running back. So Aaron Jones, he he did have 15 touchdowns in 13 games played the, uh, last year as well. So his career touchdown rate is just off the charts. Aaron Jones has 30 touchdowns on 482 touches. So he scores a touchdown on about you know, 6.2% of his touches. Christian McCaffrey <laughs> scores a touchdown on only 4.3% of his touches in his career. Todd Gurley, 4.7% of his touches in his career. Under Sean McVay, Todd Gurley has scored a touchdown on 5.9% of his touches. So that's a pretty comparable number there. That's about as close as we've seen. Mm-hmm. But we can, and Alvin Kamara is 4.8% of his touches in his career. So even these guys who scored are still at a much lower rate than what we're seeing out of Aaron Jones in his career. Yeah, he's been he's been quite the end zone machine. And I think, you know, a lot of that is being in a great offense with Aaron Rodgers, but a lot of that is just how talented this guy is. Um as far as, you know, talked about him being overvalued going into twenty twenty, I think I think, you know, he's still gonna be overshadowed by a lot of these big big running backs. And I think he can probably hold that top twelve value. So yeah, I think a lot of people are gonna overthink about overvaluing him, but I think he could end up being a decent price if guys sway too far in that direction, right? Because I think a lot of people will see that as a huge red flag and it could go a little bit too far. Yeah, and I don't think people are giving him the respect he deserves for getting into the end zone. Like we're forgetting that Kamara came in in 2017. So did Aaron Jones. Like these guys, a lot of the stats that I'm pulling the under Sean McVay stuff, that's going back to since 2017 for Todd Gurley. A lot of these stats are since Christian McCaffrey, 2017. It's just crazy that Aaron Jones is at 6.2%. while all these other guys are in the four percentiles. It's, it's pretty remarkable. So Mm -hmm. for me, long-term, the answer is Aaron Jones probably does fall off a bit in touchdowns, obviously, but if Green Bay has a similar offensive game plan for next year, I'll project Aaron Jones for close to double-digit touchdowns. And projecting double-digit touchdowns is something that only a handful of players you can justify that for. 
Yeah, for sure. That offense will have him down near the red zone a lot, I think. Um, it's just, you know, with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback, they're just going to keep chugging. They're going to have Devontae Adams. They're going to be trying to work on that wide receiver two spot. So I think all of that kind of bodes well for him getting into those favorable situations, much like he has this year. Yeah, and that like that is the biggest change we've seen. Like I also mentioned on the last pod or the one before, the biggest change we've seen in this offense under LeFleur has been the use of running backs in the passing game. Aaron Rodgers averages close to 17% target share to running backs over the last, you know, six or seven years. This season, Green Bay running backs have seen over 25% of Rodgers throws. So Aaron Jones is second on the team behind Devontae Adams and catches. He should have, I think he has a built-in floor. Unfortunately, the passing work's been a tad inconsistent throughout the year, but. Mm -hmm. They do kind of like to use Jamal Williams there a little bit too. Um, And I think Jamal Williams is probably going to be back there as well because he's, he's on a cheap deal. Uh, Aaron Jones is on a really cheap deal too. He's going to have to get a new contract going into 2020, I think. Yeah. And I also like it's similar to Dalvin Cook. Aaron Jones doesn't need a lot of snaps to be extremely dangerous for fantasy. Mm -hmm. And if if they're not using him more in the passing game and every game for that matter, then LaFleur is doing something wrong in 2020 because he looks like one of the best pass catching backs in the football this year, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Except that drop Don't touchdown. Don't mess it up. LaFleur. Oh, and LaFleur, best bring your bid because it's going to get messy. Okay, so you ready to move on to another guy we mentioned a little bit earlier? Let's do it. Le'Veon Bell. I think it's pretty safe to say that he's had an awful season in New York. Uh, there's been rumor that Adam Gaze is going to try and trade him. Uh, what What do you think about Lev going into 2020? You think he is still a Jet? Yeah, I mean, he, he's just a big sell for me in Dynasty. After all the turmoil and rumors involving coaches and Le'Veon Bell, I I, I don't know. I think he probably it, it's going to be hard to see because I haven't I actually haven't even checked the contract, but. There's, there is landing spots that make sense. Even like someone like Kansas City would make a lot of sense for Le'Veon Bell, but it's mainly because we've seen that he's most dangerous behind A, a good offensive line, and B, a team who can use him in the passing game. If he goes to a team with both or a top five offense, I could really, you know, I, I think he could go way up in dynasty rankings, but I'm, I'm selling Le'Veon Bell for a first. Oh yeah, I think you can definitely sell him for a first. And that uh, speaking of that contract, it's fifteen million dollar contract cap hit next year. So dead cap. Uh, that's a pretty um, the dead cap. I think it's more than yeah, that. That's crazy. What a terrible deal this is. Yeah, nobody's gonna trade for that contract. That's crazy that he's even involved in mm-hmm. trade talks. Like nobody would trade for that contract. Yeah, seventeen million dollar dead cap in twenty twenty. If we look at teams that have the most cap space in the league, uh, the top three projected for 2020 are Miami, Indianapolis, and Tampa, uh, which all would be, you know, pretty pretty high volume work spots. Obviously, Tampa, we haven't seen high volume, uh, but I think a lot of people want to see a, run, a good running back in that Tampa backfield. So it'd be interesting to see what happens with Lev if he stays in New York or if he goes Somebody's going to give him a future role no matter what. Uh, so do you think that he can uh, give any running back one value? You mentioned he's a sell, but where do you think, you know, where do you think you would rank him if he gets a featured role next year? I don't know. Le'Veon Bell's entirely landing spot dependent. He was he was desirable because he was with Pittsburgh behind a, a superior offensive line getting 90 plus percent snaps and getting extremely heavily used, getting like 400 touches a year. So unless he goes to Kansas City or somewhere extremely viable for fantasy where he's going to be the only option in town, I'm not going to have any interest. So I'm telling you, I probably won't have any interest. I think he's a top 15 running back right now, but it just Mm -hmm. proves the advantage you get 
between top five running backs, top 10 running backs, and the rest of the group. And Le'Veon Bell is part of the rest of the group, in my opinion. He, he doesn't have a single game with 100 yards rushing this year. He, ha- he, he had 17 100-yard rushing games with Pittsburgh. And there, there are 46 qualified running backs for almost every stat you pull on any website. There's 46 qualified running backs. I think it's a minimum of 75 carries at this point or something. Le'Veon Bell in his 3.3 yards per carry ranks 45th out of 46 running backs. So blame offensive line, blame whatever you want. He, he has zero games with 65 receiving yards either. He's just really, really having a bad year after taking time off football. He's not getting any younger and, you know, that contract. Yeah, they're not getting their money's worth out of Lev, that's for sure. So uh, why don't we move into somebody who's a little bit more exciting? We both mentioned him a little bit earlier. Uh, Kenyon Drake in Arizona. He just came off that four touchdown week in week 15. Uh, he's getting teams to the title. Yeah, yeah. Kenyon Drake, four touchdowns. Pretty. It's it, it's amazing to look back on the year. I thought he was going to be fantasy viable with Brian Flores in Miami because maybe they would mm-hmm. use him like James White. Uh, last year he had 63% of his fantasy points come in the passing game in Miami. So I thought Kenyon Drake was going to be the clear passing down back for a team in Miami who was playing from behind all year. So that was where I saw his fantasy viability coming from. It's pretty remarkable that now we're talking about, could this guy be a three down back going forward in a really desirable landing spot in Arizona? You know, the running back in Arizona is somebody I want. Yeah, me too. I was pretty heavily invested in David Johnson coming into the year. Uh, for whatever reason, that obviously hasn't worked out, uh, but I'm really liking Kenyon Drake there, and I, I hope he stays. It's just, uh, I'm not necessarily sure he's going to because they have that David Johnson contract. Kenyon Drake's going to want to get some money after what he's done this season, um, his little resurgence since coming to Arizona. Uh, I hope he stays there, and I would like to see him continue to get this workload, but I'm not quite sure he does. Yeah, if nothing else, all we can say is that he is showing how unbelievable this running back uh, position in Arizona can produce for fantasy. Like with Kyler Murray's legs presenting a big threat for the defense and his ability to check down to running backs uh, and the scheme that's there is just it it all benefits running backs because we know Cliff Kingsbury is going to target his running backs a, a high amount and pass the football a ton. And clearly he's fine running it down near the goal line. Trust me, if you're, yeah, if you're a Kyler great. Murray owner... This wasn't a, the Kenyon Drake game just sucked. (laughs) (laughs) Here's a polarizing one for you. This is, you know, a guy who I believed in coming into the season. I own him in a dynasty league that we're in together. And you were telling me all off season, telling you, Trav, telling you, Trav, you got to get out from Gurley. Got to get out from Gurley. Seems like he's kind of stumbled and bumbled his way into kind of a top 15 season. Um, Probably still a sell for you or what? Yeah, I mean... It is what it is. I haven't like changed my stance on Todd Gurley really. I just no, totally. I, I just thought that his best years were behind him. You know what I mean? He's actually fifth among running backs right now with a seventy five percent snap share. That that's really surprising to me. I didn't think he'd be the the fifth highest in snaps among running backs. That's for sure. Uh, but inside the red zone, I wouldn't guess that if you I asked know. me. Inside the red zone, though, that number does drop. And this year, Gurley will see far less touches than he did in either of the past two seasons. Uh, he led the NFL in red zone touches last year. His efficiency is down across the board. Uh, we knew his historical red zone usage and touchdown rate couldn't last forever. We knew that. Coupled with his knee issues, I, I just have a lot of concerns for Gurley going forward. I mean, it could be worse. It could be Sony Michelle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
But the, I, I just think the most catastrophic difference is something I've talked a lot about this year when you're talking about Todd Gurley. It's the passing game usage. I mean, in 2017, Gurley had 18% of the targets. 2018, he had 16% of the Rams' targets. This season, Gurley's sitting at 9% of the Rams' targets. And, you know, the Rams are passing to the running back position at the lowest clip in the entire league. So red zone, pass work, offensive line play, possible decline in talent. All those things are converging, in my opinion, to it's just been a gross season. But with the touchdown, the touchdowns are still there. I mean, Gurley is still the running back 12, I think, in PPR. So it's not like I'm saying sell him for beans. But if you can get anything significant for him, I'm, I'm, I'm unloading him. I mean, you're not going to get the package. You're not yeah. going to get the package you did last year. I'll put it th- that it's unfortunate. But, you know, start. I'll put it this way. When you go to sell Todd Gurley, start with the least experienced or the least plugged in owners in your league when you shop them. And because and, the name is still big. Yeah, totally. That's kind of why I said that he's been kind of stumbling and bumbling his way into that uh, top 15, top 12 running back season is just because, you know, it hasn't felt like that. Uh, his usage as of late has gotten better. Um, uh, yeah, I'm kind of come off of him a little bit. I wasn't listening to you coming into the season, but I hear you now. Um, he's he's had a decent season, but definitely not what you're expecting. And there has been some red zone work and there are some touchdowns and whatnot, but I'm, I'm with you. He's kind of a declining asset and he's one that if you can get a good return, you can definitely be happy to sell him off for if you can get, you know, a first for him. What would you pay for or what would you be looking to sell Gurley for? Yeah, I mean, what I do is just kind of, I just tell my trade partner that, you know, he is a top 12 dynasty asset, or I'll look at a, a confluence of different people's dynasty rankings, whether it's Justin Boone on the score, or Mike Clay, or whatever, uh, a lot of the ones that a lot of people use. So I'll, I'll point out where he's ranked on there and where the players I'm trying to acquire are ranked, you know what I mean? That's what I do. I try and find somebody who's mm-hmm. close to him and trade for that person. I'm rarely trading somebody like Todd Gurley. I, I trade him for a first round pick, any first round pick, to be honest, but it, it's hard to say what, what would you take, but mm-hmm. I I'll put it this way. I'd take most people ranked around him in dynasty rankings. Yeah. And, and it's a player that I'm trading for picks for sure. I, running back is just something you replenish in dynasty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this 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 year in the 2020 draft, we're going to get a lot of guys coming out that can replenish that part of your yeah, roster. Yeah, and you can see how cyclical it is, and you can see the the warning signs. Like, we're seeing Todd Gurley. David Johnson did it last year where it was just a completely underwhelming top 15 running back season like Lev Bell and Todd Gurley have delivered for us this year. You have to be careful about a situation and, in some cases, age and decline when it comes to Gurley and Lev Bell and Devonta Freeman and players like that. Oh, Devonta Freeman. Don't get me started. <laughs> okay, well, I hope you don't own Alvin Kamara because let's talk some Alvin Kamara. He has not scored since week three still. That's actually the only game he scored a touchdown in. Not to mention that offense with New Orleans is putting up a significant amount of points on a weekly basis. So for Alvin Kamara, is this more team driven than anything? Uh, like what, what, do you, what do you see with Alvin Kamara here? Yeah, I think team driven is kind of a good way to put it. I think Michael Thomas has absolutely taken over. Uh, we've seen what Taysom Hill has been doing, which is super, super annoying, uh, but it's happening. So we got to kind of deal with it. Um, it's, it's really sucked for Alvin Kamara, though. He's, he's barely top 12. I think he's running back 11 right now, uh, missing two games. That's respectable for sure. Uh, but I think his season hasn't felt like a top 12 running back season because there's been a lot of highs and lows as far as his usage, his work in the passing game, his work near the red zone. Uh, what are you seeing from Kamara in the Saints backfield? 
Well, I'm not seeing touchdowns, that's for sure. I mean, no. or carries, really. I mean, last season, the Saints had 90 red zone carries as a team. It was the third most in the league. And this year, they're closer to 20th in the league in red zone rushes as a team. So, you know, Kamara last year had 50 red zone rush attempts, which ranked second in the NFL. And he had 25 red zone targets. That was fourth in the NFL as a running back. And his 22 red zone receptions were second in the NFL among all players last year in the red zone. So, not among running backs in the league. Like, that's, that's pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. So... You know, what we're seeing is Alvin Kamara is not getting used in the red zone as much, and the Saints are not scoring as much. I mean, it's just incredible what the Saints did over the last two years when it comes to rushing work. Like, the Saints have led the NFL for back-to-back seasons in rushing touchdowns. The Saints had 26 rushing touchdowns last year, 23 the year before. Like, that is just fantastic, like blowing everybody else out of the water. And this season, they're bottom 10 in rushing touchdowns. And two are Taysom Hill and Drew Brees, by the way. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Taysom Hill is being quite the vulture this year. You mentioned the Saints' 26 touchdowns. Kamara had 13 of those last year, and uh, he has none this year. So it's been pretty brutal. Latavius Murray actually has the same amount of red zone rushing attempts as Alvin Kamara does with 20, uh, which is outside the top 25, which is not like Kamara in that Saints offense. Uh, so it's it's been pretty tough. He's not gotten the high leverage opportunities like he was getting. Uh, I think there's still a lot there to like. He still is getting quite a few targets in the passing game. Um, it's just, you know, that touchdown regression was bound to happen and it's hit really, really hard this year. Yeah, and we, we need touchdowns from Kamara for that upside because he's, he's labeled as an easy top 10 asset in Dynasty overall. So, I mean, his pass catching upside is... Sorry, his pass catching is his floor, and I mean, that's a, that's a marble floor. That is solid floor, but, you know, Alvin Kamara mm-hmm. doesn't have a 100-yard rushing game in his last 23 games, so we need touchdowns from Alvin Kamara to hit that ceiling. Totally. He's never going to give you more than, like, 15 carries a game kind of thing, so he's definitely not getting that high-volume rushing workload. So, like you said, you got to rely on that marble floor, and, you know, we want those double-digit touchdowns, but you're not getting them so far. So, um, moving on from kind of what he's done this season, what do you think about his dynasty value? He was easy top five, like you said, coming into this year, uh, but I think that's probably going to change a little bit going into 2020, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, it's more, you know, other players will leap him for sure. It, it, I, I do. I'm kind of on the side where I think this Alvin Kamara thing is a little more team driven than anything. His peripherals are still mm-hmm. pretty good. His elusive rating, all these things that we look at yards after contact, not quite as good. But a lot of these metrics that we follow, Alvin Kamara is still performing well in. So I think it is a lot to do with the team driven. You, you mentioned that Latavius Murray is like outside the top 25 in red zone carries, do you say? Yeah, they're both outside yeah, the like, top 25 with tw- 20 we, we saw Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara both inside the top 15 or 20 in multiple years. So it, it really is a lot to do with the offense. Obviously, the touchdown regression that we're seeing from this offense in general is just it, it's really off the charts. You can't really even uh, quantify that kind of drop off that we're seeing in rushing touchdowns from the New Orleans Saints over the last few years. So yeah, I, I think a lot of that will bounce back next year. And then obviously we want to see what's mm-hmm. happening with this offense going forward as well, because Jared Cook coming in has thrown a little bit of a wrench in and Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas saw everything under the sun in the red zone for the Saints last year. And, you know, we have Traquan Smith there. We have other players there now. And, you know, it really mm-hmm. has just been Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara with a little bit of Mark Ingram on uh, rushing down. So we'll have to wait and see in the offseason whether he can have this situation heading into 2020 to justify Alvin Kamara as a top five running back again. Otherwise, otherwise mm-hmm. I'm going to put him outside of that top five and it'll be more because other players are jumping him. And this rookie, this rookie running back class will have a lot to say about that as well. 
Yeah, for sure. And I think I think that could potentially make Alvin Kamara a little bit of a value in our startups and redraft leagues next year because a lot of people are going to be seeing that touchdown regression and not necessarily see the factors in it. But like you said, I think that touchdown total is going to regress back to the mean a little bit, uh, maybe not to the 18 touchdown level. But, you know, if he's hovering near that double digits, he's going to be an easy top 10 running back. Uh, so I think it could potentially turn him into a value in certain leagues going into next year. Um, it's going to be an interesting one because we did kind of see that he can keep that value with Teddy Bridgewater, which was nice. Um, now it's just a matter of seeing, you know, what can happen if if they keep Jared Cook and, you know, if Latavius Murray sticks around or if Traquan Smith becomes a little bit more a piece of that offense. Uh, it's it's going to be an interesting one to watch, but I still am on that Kamara train and hope that he can bounce back next year. Yeah, and I'm still on this run game, one of the best offensive lines in football in uh, New Orleans and, you know, Drew Brees aging a bit. They're going to continue to lean on the run game as they've shifted this offense in the last three years to the run game pretty, pretty heavily. So let's let's move away from the run game. Let's go to the passing weapons here. Let's talk some wide receivers really quick. Yeah, let's do it. So let's hit a real high profile guy. Let's hit Tyreek Hill, Trav. Uh, had another big game. We want to know how high can this guy go in Dynasty? Is Sammy Watkins going to leave? What do, what, do you, what do you think? And Tyreek Hill is attached to Patrick Mahomes. We know sky's the limit. Where Where's this guy? I think, you know, I don't think he's going to go higher than probably three in my rankings at first glance it's Michael Thomas DeAndre Hopkins and then Tyreek Hill probably um, and I think a lot of that is his attachment to Patrick Mahomes um, you know I think this year we did see some injuries for Tyreek Hill so he missed some time but he hasn't been as boomer bust as he has in the past um, I think in the 11 games that he's played in uh, he hasn't gone under 10 PPR points once and he's only gone under 12 one time. So I think that shows a little bit more consistency, which is a positive for Tyreek Hill. Um, and like I said, he's attached to probably the best quarterback in the game in a stellar passing offense. So for me, um, at first glance, he's probably a top three wide receiver. Really? For the future. Like it. What do you think? Where do you think he lands? He is the day de- like Tyreek Hill is the definition of a weak winner. When you hear the term weak winner, we're talking about players like Tyreek Hill always. And if mm-hmm. Sammy Watkins was to leave, Tyreek could see his volume skyrocket. We saw a couple times this year with weapons missing in this offense. Uh, Tyreek Hill see like 18 targets, like crazy amount of targets in certain uh, games this year. And the Sammy Watkins contract thing, it's interesting though. We know Tyreek just signed his monster deal this year during the season. Uh, Watkins made $12 million this year. He carried a huge $20 million dead cap. The Chiefs do have an out on Sammy Watkins this offseason. But they would still take a $7 million dead cap hit if they release him. Uh, Sammy Watkins is a UFA after next season, so like heading into 2021. That, that's kind of a big deal. I'd expect Kansas City to try and shop Sammy Watkins like via trade. And a partner could bite, uh, like a partner who has the cap room, maybe one of those teams that Trav mentioned earlier. And knowing it'll mm-hmm. be off the books the following year, right? 100% man. Yeah, I mentioned the teams I mentioned earlier were Miami, uh, Indianapolis, and the third team was Tampa Bay. So I don't think he's going to Tampa, but Indy and Miami could definitely use him. Uh, the cap hit for next year is $21 million, So uh, I think if the Chiefs can't trade him, which they probably could to one of those teams, if they can't, 
you know, I could see them eating that seven million just because they would save an extra fourteen million to the point where if they can sign a guy for less than that, they're still saving money. So, um, you know, I think Sammy Watkins is probably gone after this season. Uh, so that's gonna open it up for Tyreek. You know, we got Miko Hardman there who's looked fantastic. Uh, it's gonna be an interesting shift in that offense, but I think we still expect that to be an offense that you just want pieces of. So obviously you're gonna be be trying to get Tyreek Hill because he's the top dog there. But I think there's other pieces that are going to give you a really good return on whatever you invest in. Haven't you want to bet Sammy Watkins is on a new team and he's drafted higher in 2020 drafts than he was this year? Like he he just cannot find himself in a better spot in 2020 than he was with Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs or McVay and the high-powered Rams the year before. Yeah, he's going to go somewhere where there's no other alpha or where, you know, there's some competition, but he's the more talented guy and people are definitely going to bite on that. Yeah, and people bite on Sammy hype no matter what the Sammy Watkins hype is, mm-hmm. even though he, he might not be a top five wide receiver from his draft class, he might not be a top 10 wide receiver mm-hmm. from the 2014 draft class. Uh, you know, you touch quickly. We know Tyreek Hill. Like, so I, I, I was just going to call him a top five wide receiver in dynasty is where it'll be valued by the market. You know, if you're going to go get him, get him now before Sammy Watkins leaves town and cements Tyreek. Tyreek's going to be where you said like top three. Cause I, I think you nailed it. Like the, the tier number one is going to be Michael Thomas and new Hopkins. But the argument is whether I want to throw Tyreek Hill and, you know, Juju Smith Schuster for that matter in that tier or in the next tier, which, and my next tier, if you're wondering yeah. is you know, maybe Chris Godwin, OBJ, Mike Evans, and, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster would be at the top of that. Yeah, I think that's a pretty solid tier. Um, you know, we haven't really done any concrete rankings or anything yet. So obviously this stuff is just kind of first glance, but uh, I think that's a pretty solid tier. I'd have to look to see if I would change it up too, too much. But I mean, you said to get on buying Tyree Hill right now I think another reason for that is because those off-field issues that he had are still kind of in people's minds um, there's no telling if that could happen again obviously he's kind of a loose cannon that way but um, if if he doesn't have any issues in in the future I think this is a good time to buy also because you know people still haven't forgotten about that and if he has a clean slate for the next few years you're going to forget all about that I think especially with the way he's going to produce yeah and I mean, some of the other guys that we'll talk about would be Amari Cooper, DJ Moore, Kenny Galladay, Tyler Lockett, Julio Jones, maybe still in the mix, Devontae Adams for you, I bet, mm-hmm. Cooper Cup. I'm sure I'm forgetting a couple guys. Yeah, for sure. All right, so let's move along here. Let's go to Devontae Parker. Uh, hit him quickly. He signed a new deal and he balls out again. Four year, $40 million man. Uh, but this is football and not any other sport. So really, Parker is just a $20 million man, I should have said, <laughs> uh, which was his contract guarantees, 21 and a half to be exact. Yeah. And no regrets after this outing in, in week 15. He had another big week. Barely removed from a concussion. He had another big week for fantasy owners. Yeah, that was pretty impressive. And, you know, it was a nice showing coming off the injury and continuing that fifth year breakout surge that he's been having, which is uh, definitely kind of an outlier, but uh, I've kind of liked him a little bit. I'm not so much on him as far as a dynasty lens. We talked a little bit about him last episode, I believe. Um, A lot of his production, I think, can be attributed to the Ryan Fitzpatrick effect because he does like to gun it. Uh, You talked about his YOLO balls last episode, and he definitely likes to chuck those up. Um, But what do you think about Devontae Parker going forward? He's got Preston Williams there. Gasicki emerging a little bit. There's going to be a lot of change in the quarterback and running back room. Um, what's what's kind of your perspective on where he's going to fall for fantasy gamers next season? 
Yeah, well, you said it. Like it, this has been very opportunity driven to to a degree, but that new contract definitely shows that they do have faith, and they're obviously making him a priority going in going into the future here, which it really changes everything. Like once money money talks, right? Like these are the things where teams can't lie. They just paid this guy, so you know, twenty million dollars guaranteed. It, it's interesting because I really think the fifth year breakout is the funniest thing we can say because it's totally unprecedented mm-hmm. and. To finally emerge in your fifth season as a first-round pick on the team that drafted you, I, I don't know if I've ever seen that, to be honest. And draft capital and wide receiver opportunity, it's usually an exact science, so first-round picks are given every chance to succeed, and then some usually, you know? So it's, it's just so rare. The only examples I could find in recent memory of players breaking out in their fifth year were usually players who had very little draft capital and they went to a new team. So I'm talking guys like Marquise Goodwin when he went from Buffalo to San Francisco, Rashard Matthews when he went from Miami to Tennessee, Doug Baldwin had a big breakout year in that's like the closest yeah, example maybe. That's a good one. But but he also had 750 yards or more receiving in 3 of the 4 seasons before his breakout. DeVonte Parker's never had 750 yards mm-hmm. receiving. And in 2014, the most comparable uh, might be Brennan LaFell, (laughs) except his, yeah, his story involves also going to a new team as well in the offseason when he went to the Patriots, but he had a career high with over 950 receiving yards, seven touchdowns, and yeah, it was, it was his best fantasy football season. And, you know, it's the only year that Brennan LaFell averaged over 12 points per game in PPR scoring. So I do want to, I do want to just say that none of those guys who ended up having a big year in their fifth year ended up repeating yeah. that uh, other than Doug Baldwin, obviously who, who might not apply to the, you know? Yeah, for sure. And he was, atta- he was ran, attached to Russell Wilson study. as well. Right. Yeah. <laughs> he, I just think Devonte Parker's not gonna be a guy I'll be in on in 2020, unless when I, I fire him into the historical data app on Rotoviz, I find something I missed in this really quick study <laughs> kind of thing, you know, because I I'll dive into Parker more and I, I recommend the historical data app on Rotoviz. It's a really good tool. Nice. And, and, you know, the one on pro football references, you know, it's a good Yeah, for sure. I think we covered Devontae Parker pretty good. Uh, what about this rookie year breakout that we're seeing from A.J. Brown? Just shredding it right now, hey, with Ryan Tannehill at the helm. Yeah, and, you know, we talked him up last week. We said you could trust him in your playoff lineups, and he delivered. Boom. Uh, he had a career. Yeah, he had a career high in catches, career high in targets versus Houston. He had never had more than eight targets in a game. He came up with 13 targets in this game. In Fantasy Football Championship, he does have Marshawn Lattimore and the Saints. Uh, but, you know, as we've seen with A.J. Brown, the definition of a season is that he can make it happen on just one play. Uh, only Stefan Diggs, Mike Evans, and Mike Williams have more plays of 40 yards or more this season than A.J. Brown. So he is scoring from anywhere and everywhere. I think the fact that Marshawn Lattimore will shadow A.J. Brown is reflective of his whole rookie season progression, really. Like, for me, he's gone from just an undeniable prospect favorite rookie wide receiver to a player in an unwinnable situation who went almost a full round later than I thought he would. And, you know, now you look and I'm ready to go out and buy high in dynasty on AJ Brown this off season. Absolutely, man. He has had an awesome rookie year. Uh, he's one of three rookies that has a legit shot at a thousand yards. Um, DK Metcalf and Terry McLaurin are the other two. And actually only 10 rookies have done that since 2000. So that's, you know, he's got a pretty high ranking rookie season in the past 20 years or so. 
his yards per target are probably going to be the most of any rookie since 1992, I think. So on minimum 70 targets, A.J. Brown has 12.07 yards per targets, which is almost half a yard more than Juju's 2017 rookie season. So I think we're seeing quite a bit from A.J. Brown in an offense that has a lot of room to improve still I think you know Tannehill could get cemented into that role and kind of find that rhythm and maintain potentially top 10 fantasy quarterback status if he stays there Uh, I think AJ Brown is is ascending fast and yeah do you know when they started tracking targets I think it was 1992 you know it so that would be yeah the best since they started tracking him that's crazy he leads all rookie wide receivers in receiving yards right now and yeah, he's fifth among all wide receivers in yards after the catch. And among wide receivers with 30 or more catches, he's number one in yards after the catch per reception. And on next-gen stats, only Mecole Hardman has more yards after the catch over expectations. So, like, he's really just making it happen. And you talk about improvement uh, A.J. Brown could see. I think the Titans offseason could give us those avenues, like, for dynasty value bumpage. If dynasty isn't... If Tennessee isn't willing to fork up a lofty contract for a running back, Derrick Henry could be gone. Like the Titans could become a pass first team under Ryan Tannehill because he should be the quarterback in 2020 for the Titans. They're even talking longer term deals, not just a franchise tag. So, you know, and we also want to know the future of Delaney Walker, Mm -hmm. who looked as he kind of looked like the ageless wonder just a couple of years ago. And Corey Davis, man alive, like who knows what happens with him next year is the final year of his rookie deal. Uh, Corey and Corey Davis may want to get paid. He probably sees the writing on the wall. You know, AJ Brown has a monopoly on this passing attack and he, he could invite a trade himself. Like it could be that Corey Davis gets traded and both sides are pumped about it. Totally. And the, and the fifth year option is available for teams in 2021, but I think the Titans could be more happy just letting another team deal with the headache when it comes to uh, Corey Davis. Yeah. Any, any of those, any of those things could happen all helping AJ Brown in 2020. Yeah, 100%, man. Um, why don't we do a little uh, either or here? Um, okay. AJ Brown or Cortland Sutton? AJ, AJ Brown. Okay, what about DJ Chark? <laughs> that's, and that's a hot take, by the way. Yeah, yeah. What about DJ Chark? I'll take AJ Brown. Okay. Uh, what about Allen Robinson? Yeah, give me AJ Brown. Yeah, totally. What about Keenan Allen? Give me AJ totally. Brown. Totally. Give me that, too. I'll take that to the bank. So, I mean, it just shows that A.J. Brown is probably, could you see him being ranked like top 15 next year? I don't think he'll be ranked that way, but I do think he'll be ranked that way in 2021. Yeah, Let's put it that yeah that's way. a, that's a good way to I mean? put it. Like, yeah. And, and it, it's tough because I think what we're going to see from A.J. Brown is that he's going to be giving us these huge weeks like he's been giving us 25 to 35 point weeks, those big upside week winning performances. But I think as his career progresses, he'll really mold into this and he'll show this versatility as he kicks inside, you know, maybe Humphreys, they just eat bite the bullet and, you know, trade him to the Patriots for four first round picks. Who knows (laughs) what happens with that? But, you know, I just think if you can get AJ Brown into the slot, there's there's just a lot we still haven't seen from AJ Brown. For mm-hmm. sure. I don't know. And if we're re ranking, if we're re ranking this rookie wide receiver class, w- one thing we can all agree on is that AJ Brown is your wide receiver one in this class. Like it, it is so crazy when you look back at this rookie wide receiver class mm-hmm. and try and re rank it. Yeah, we've had a lot of guys that weren't expected kind of come out of that rookie wide receiver crop. Uh, next guy on our list, actually, Terry McLaurin. I think we both are really high on him as far as the rookie rankings. Um, do you think he's going to be still undervalued due to his offense, or do you think he's going to skyrocket in rankings because he's he's been awesome this year? 
But I mean, he's still definitely undervalued. I think the masses are kind of refusing to recognize how unbelievably talented he is. Uh, he's one catch behind DK Metcalf for the lead among rookies and catches, 10 yards behind AJ Brown in receiving yards. His seven touchdowns are just one shy of Darius Slay for rookie wide receiver touchdowns. And remember, Terry McLaurin missed a game as well, so he could be leading in almost every stat when it comes to rookie wide receivers. Uh, he actually does lead the group in fantasy when it comes to points per game. So he also leads in team target share, air yards among rookies. McLaurin is actually one of only three players in the whole league with over 40% of their team's air yards. So, like, Terry McLaurin has so much talent on his side, and all he needs is not to be in a pure shit situation. So, it really can't get worse for him, in my opinion. I think he's he's going to be a player on almost every one of my teams next year. Yeah, I'm pretty heavy into Terry McLaurin as well. I mean, he, he's got that passing game pretty much locked up um they don't really have a tight end to speak of you know they don't throw a ton to their running backs um they have historically but we haven't really seen it much this year their running back room has been um you know pretty rough as far as injuries this season so they're going to retool that going into 2020 i think you know Dwayne haskins improvement is a key factor here uh, i think terry mclaurin can probably transcend that um but i i one thing i do kind of worry is if that they do add another wide receiver i think terry mclaurin has kind that maybe negated the need for them to draft one of those top guys um, but if they sign somebody that is you know pretty pretty good uh what if they were to get like a sammy watkins across from him obviously we're not high on sammy watkins but if they're going to pay him they're probably going to use him um could you see maybe some targets being funneled elsewhere um working against terry mclaurin no. or are you not worried about that no terry mclaurin is literally the only thing they have in that entire offense in the last like you know almost this entire season basically and they've done their best to really shelter Dwayne Haskins by using this running game almost exclusively so we really just haven't been able to see what Terry McLaurin's capable of over the second half of the season his splits in the first half of the season were just remarkable we saw what he was capable of under someone like Case Keenum it's not out of the realm of possibility that Washington adds a quarterback in free agency and lets Dwayne Haskins you know, season a little bit. Alex Smith could return from the dead. They could draft mm. a quarterback. They're likely picking in the top 10 overall picks. There's no way I'm not going to be super, super high on Terry McLaurin. Yeah, I think that's totally fair to say. Even if somebody's there, um, there should be enough passing pie that he's going to produce. And t- he's he can be really, really good without getting those like 10 to 15 targets per game uh he's good after the catch uh we saw that one-hander that he made a couple weeks ago that was still one of my favorite catches of the season uh it's it's wheels up for terry mclolo i don't know why i called him that just in my head that's just what i call him for some reason (laughs) he's got like 400 nicknames it's ridiculous what one do you like the best what do you think Uh, i don't like any of them. no i mean scary scary terry is what's his name uh forget it's someone else's nickname uh isn't it the the guy in the nba terry rosier or something like that yeah that's right, right. yeah that's right yeah. and then what about and, f1 uh, yeah i like that one but it's the f1 mclaren which is a, a very common name but his name is McLaren. i know i know it's i'm in the same boat on that with you yeah. and because saying saying f1 on its own just doesn't necessarily like do it for me you know what i mean I want when I hear a nickname, I want to know what the reference that it's tied into, and F one might not necessarily do that for most, you know. I also think there's just like the most obvious nickname, and it's just it blows my mind that a specific person has a monopoly on that nickname. I'll put it that way. Which one's that? T Mac. T Mac. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that obvious. <laughs> 
Yeah, and it's very unfair <laughs> that Tracy McGrady has a monopoly on that. Nickname. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's putter along here. Let's go to Devonte Adams. Actually, he had a great game. Finally, uh, is he still a top ten wide receiver in dynasty? That's kind of what I want to look at here. He is still scoring as a top 10 wide receiver in PPR right now, but the problem is we may have overplayed our hand with Devontae Adams, I think, Trav. Uh, He never profiled as a player who could really be that Stefan Dibbs type player, you know, or whatever, not the big boom week guy. Last year, he was just peppered with targets. He was the wide receiver one overall last year in points per game. This year, most thought Devontae Adams would see a similar workload. Were were you in the same boat there? And what do you kind of see going forward here with Devontae? Yeah, I mean, I I definitely thought it was going to be a really heavy workload. Um, I think injuries definitely have played a part this year. As far as his ranking, you said top 10. I think that's kind of like, that's probably like the pivot point for him. You know what I mean? That's kind of the fence that he's going to be riding. I think he's definitely top 12 for me. And I think I would probably put him just inside the top 10, but he's not top five, like what I thought he was going into this season. Um, There's just a lot of guys who have kind of surged into that. Uh, that kind of range so I, I could see him top 10 uh, top five is a no-go for me probably um, and I think he can still kind of be that but the one thing I do worry about is those foot injuries those can kind of nag for wide receivers um, but they're probably going to look to add at wide receiver too but I don't know man I think I think he still is going to be kind of the hog he's still getting those red zone targets he's got 15 red zone targets on the season which is um, just just inside the top 12 uh, in the NFL so I think there is definitely still that touchdown upside that comes along with Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers throwing him the rock so I could still see him in that top 10 Where, where do you have him? I think there's a lot of things that we're seeing. I'll, I'll get to my ranking. Uh, <laughs> let me rant through it a bit. Like Aaron, Ro- Aaron Rodgers is on pace for his fewest pass attempts in the last six years. And we really, I, I want to hammer that Lafleur and the new coaching staff. Like they're really leaning on the running back group and particularly in, in the passing game as well. And I know it's been a tad inc- inconsistent, but the running backs have seen almost 120 targets this season for, for green Bay. And that means they're on pace to distribute 136 targets to the running back position this year, which is top 10 in the NFL. That's about 25% running back target share compared to that 70% average I mentioned in the Aaron Jones uh, talk earlier. You know, I just, I have a lot of concerns. I think they're, the Packers are passing less often and a higher share of those targets are going to the run. Yeah, it's definitely been different with Lafleur, and I think it's completely fair to kind of expect that going forward. But I think with added health will come that production. Um, like I said, his red zone targets are still there, so he is still going to get some touchdowns. There's going to be some regression coming upward on that four touchdowns that he's got this year. Uh, hopefully, he can continue to get that foot healthy. For me, that is the biggest thing. Um, I, I think he's still going to be the alpha, and Aaron Rodgers still trusts him. Uh, he's shown that he doesn't quite have the trust in the other pieces in that wide receiver group yet so uh, I'm, I'm still on the Devonte Adams train I've just cooled a little bit as opposed to coming way back on him yeah I mean I think we're gonna have to wait and see for top 12 when these rookies come in I think we're really seeing an explosion at the wide receiver position we mentioned that you know there's a handful of rookie wide receivers that have really blown up this year and I, I just really can't stress the Packers wide receivers averaged about 65% of the Packers targets in the previous six years they averaged over 370 targets as a group in that span on average, Green Bay wide receivers rank 7th in total targets in the last six years. 
This season, Green Bay wide receivers have 10% less target share, sitting at 55%, almost 7% lower than any season in the last seven years. And wide receivers are on pace for about 310 targets, down 60 from the Packers' average taken from those previous six seasons. And that puts them outside the top 20 for team wide receiver targets. And yeah, like I, I think Devontae Adams might be my biggest sell this whole whole offseason. Really? Like, yeah, like if people are still willing to talk about top five, then I am really going to sell him. If people are talking about him in top 10, I'm still selling uh, because he's going to be right around wide receiver 12 for me. I think they'll argue his injury and his first season in a new system and so on. I think there's just signals to where this offense is headed for the future, though, as Rodgers ages and the new coaching staff kind of cements their philosophies, which have to do with, you know, basing their offense around running backs, it seems like, while using Aaron Rodgers' efficiency. And, you know, Devontae Adams had his best season of his career last year. He had 22 points per game in PPR. The previous two seasons, he was at 15.4 and 15.9 points per game in PPR. He was a wide receiver one in 100% of his games last year. That is insane. Nobody Mm -hmm. else did that. And that's like basically unheard of. And I mentioned he was the wide receiver, you know, one overall in points per game. But this year, he is still doing well when on the field, but... I just think there's been some down weeks that were non-existent last year, and his 16.8 points per game this year in fantasy looks more like what we should expect going forward if you're a dynasty owner. I'm just, I'm not chasing that 2018, 22 point per game season. And you mentioned the Packers, they're 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 likely going to add a wide receiver as well, and they do have Jay Sternberger in the wings, but they, they might want to add a tight end as well. And top 12... Probably, but big sell in my books. Yeah. You could you could snag a really nice package. This is the last chance you're going to have on Devontae Adams to get a huge package. For yeah, him. I see that point for sure. I definitely see that. Um, and I'm definitely not chasing the 169 targets that he had in, in 2018. Uh, I just think he can maintain a little bit of that efficiency. But I 100% agree with you that this is probably going to be the the best time to get the best return um, because you know as he moves forward he is going to start to decline and you want to be you know a year early as opposed to a year late on those all right last guy ty it's the last guy this is one of our uh, one of our biggest calls coming into the season we loved him tyler lockett uh, we saw a really good performance in week 15 he kind of came back from the dead or from his illness or whatever was going on as of right now, he's the wide receiver 13 on the season in PPR. Um, do you think he's kind of more close to the top 10 or more top 20 wide receiver going into 2020? Yeah, because like what kind of season has it been for Tyler Lockett? It, it's been all over the place, you know. Actually, do you want to mention really quick Josh Gordon for mm-hmm. Seattle when we're on Seattle? Yeah, Josh Gordon was suspended. Tyler Lockett, though, always a tough player to break down with analytics. He's he's kind of the outlier in most metrics, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, we did say when Penny went down with that injury, it helped the passing weapons, who seemed to be much riskier with the offense. They, they kind of look like they're about to start transitioning to a run-heavy mm-hmm. attack, like, you know, the staff there is just dying to do. <laughs> but too bad for Carroll and Shotgun uh-huh. they have a top-three quarterback. Yeah, you have a top-three quarterback in your face. Russell Wilson's here. Uh, this year, I took a lot of swings on Tyler Lockett. I have to say, I thought... He would be closer to that top 10 wide receiver mark than wide receiver 24, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, a few things for owners of Lockett, though. He is locked into a super efficient offense. Russell Wilson is the best throwing deep balls, and he's the best in the red zone, best when targeting Tyler Lockett ever. Uh, their connection is very much real, so he he hasn't shown a lot of consistency this year. That's kind of the, the, that's what I'm frustrated with this year when it comes to Tyler Lockett. But I'm not sure if it's Lockett or his situation not allowing him to show consistency where Seattle continues to try and 
accentuate the run game so heavily in certain games. But I mean, we know Tyler Lockett can boom. He has a few games this year over 25 fantasy points, but yeah, he's busted. He has a few games with less than six points in PPR. So this year looks fine on paper for Tyler Lockett. Uh, he's setting new career highs and catches, targets, yards, fantasy points. Uh, lots of people took the easy way out on Lockett, remember, in the offseason via touchdown regression, efficiency. Mm-hmm. But if you pay close attention, Seattle was without Doug Baldwin heading into a season for the first time in years, and they had nothing at tight end really to rely on, on paper at least. You know, Wilson had shoveled so much volume and so many touchdowns towards Baldwin in the tight end position in the past. So we we really saw Russell Wilson having a new wide receiver one, and his name was Tyler Lockett. And we also seen this offense support two wide receivers. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm pretty happy with what we've seen with Tyler Lockett. But it, he's really a guy I'm going to have to dive into on the offseason. I, I want to have him up there closer to the top 12, but I'm not sure if this offense under Schottenheimer and Pete Carroll can allow that. Really. Yeah, I feel you there, man. I think I think it is probably closer to the 15 to 20 range for me as well. Um, and I think that's also a product of them trying to work in DK Metcalf some more. He's been really effective this year. You can't deny it. Um, and, you know, those deep shots is something that Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf both do. Um, so you never know really who's going to get it. Uh, you just know that Russell Wilson's going to be chucking it up there for them. Um, both can be effective for sure. Uh, I just, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you. Those two are like brothers in purity Tyler Lockett and uh, Russell Wilson they're just like they just got a meld when they're in sync where they don't miss you know Tyler Lockett's making spectacular catches Russell Wilson's making spectacular throws Um, it's I think Tyler Lockett will maintain that inside the top 20 value but with DK's rise I'm not so sure he gets into that top 12 like we had hoped for this year for sure We've seen a lot from Tyler Lockett. In Dynasty, I'm still happy with him around wide receiver 15 heading into the NFL draft. So we'll have to see where some of these rookie wide receivers land. Uh, But right now, I'm still happy with Tyler Lockett right around wide receiver 15 because of the upside. I mean, we got to remember, he set the record last year for fantasy football points per target Mm -hmm. since targets were tracked. In? 1992. Totally. I got got an either-or game here for Tyler Lockett. Ooh, yeah, we'll finish off on one of these. Send it. Okay, Tyler Lockett or Adam Thielen? Tyler Lockett. Tyler Lockett or Stefan Diggs? Whew. Stefan Diggs. Yeah, yeah, see, I'm still Lockett, Lockett. Yeah. Cortland Sutton or Tyler Lockett? Tyler Lockett. Cooper Cup or Tyler Lockett? Oh, that is a close one, actually. That's a close one. I think it's Tyler Lockett, though, by a hair. Allen Robinson or oh, Tyler, Tyler Lockett? Lockett? Kenny Galladay or Tyler Lockett? Oh, man. I'm going to go Galladay. Yeah, that's funny. Galladay is the only guy I'll take over Tyler mm-hmm. Lockett in that group. Yeah, unless yeah, unless something happens, he's got every opportunity. Yeah. Exactly. If you know, if a Woods or a Cooks leaves St. or uh, not St. Louis, uh, Los Angeles, that's when Cooper Cup would go ahead of Tyler Lockett for me, probably. So we're ready to kind of lock it up here. Let's lock it up. You better lock it up. No, you lock it up. You lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Beauty, man. So yeah, I mean, that is our, you know, kind of moving into week 16 and the off season episode. Uh, one thing I do want to mention is that we're going to take a little break. Um, after this week, we probably won't be back until January. Uh, we're just going to take a little bit of time off with family. I know I got the in-laws at my place staying in my house. So, uh, we got lots going on here. So we're going to take a little breaky poo. Um, but we will be back in the new year. Uh, Ty, you excited for, uh, fantasy football 2020? Always, you know it. As soon as uh, Super Bowl's over, I start doing best ball, so I am ready. Yeah, I'm going to be on and that I love, train. I can't wait to just have all that data ready to uh, 
to dive into as soon as uh, week 17 games are over and I'm watching football playoffs in real life. And yeah, it's, I love that part of the year as well. Yeah, it's definitely going to be sweet. And I'll be in some more of those best balls with you. I got to get you to uh, immerse me into that scene. Uh, maybe not to the scale that you're in it, but I'm definitely going to get more into it this year. Um, yeah, one thing I just want to say is thanks to all of our listeners. This is our first season out in the fantasy community and we have had a blast. Um, we've felt the support and it's much appreciated. Uh, Ty, I appreciate, you know, all the hard work put in. It's been fun diving into this stuff and you've shown me a lot of things in the fantasy world and I'm excited to kind of put those to use and, and get deeper into this thing. Yeah, me too, buddy. Me too. And you know, it's not said enough, but you know, everybody is always whining about something these days. It seems like, or the quote unquote woke culture. I think one thing we can all agree on is the holidays are about spending time with your family, spending time with your friends and just basically recommitting yourself going forward in that next year to helping your fellow man. Very well said. So on that note, thanks again. We appreciate the love and support. We will talk to you in 2020. Good luck in those fantasy championships. Peace. <laughs> um, I got nothing. I, I got nothing that rhymes with that. I'm supposed to be a rapper here. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like 100 million words that rhyme. Yeah, well, yeah. But, you know, you snooze, you lose. <laughs> That's truce. <laughs> <laughs> okay. On the ones and twos. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's cruise. Okay. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. You gotta stop. I refuse to stop. <laughs>